Welcome to Lifelines, the radio program of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Federation. With me today is Tim Broderick, head of Erie's fantastic People for Life. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Maria. Good morning. Good morning. Now, Tim, for those who are not familiar with your story, how did you get involved in the pro-life movement? Well, I think the seeds were planted uh, soon after I got out of high school, simply by being handed a brochure that explained some of the realities of abortion. And as time went on, I followed some good advice and looked up my local pro-life group here in Erie, and it was People for Life. Uh, the group goes all the way back to about 1975, or and, and the, uh, the, the roots of the organization go back even farther. So um, I was encouraged to get involved as a volunteer, which, which I did at whenever I was able to. And as time went on, I, uh, well, uh, started volunteering in the office and got to uh, be involved on the board of directors. You know, I think another milestone was when I attended my first March for Life, and that would have been in 1996. I guess that really cemented the deal. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Now, Tim, what has sustained you in the pro-life movement all these years? Well, that's a big question. I think the question sort of implies that there are discouragements. And sometimes we're discouraged by the way elections go or by the way the legislation is going because it's important that we address this issue uh, through through the government as well as in other ways. Um but I think even when things are going the wrong way in those regards, um, you know, there's the satisfaction in just standing up for what's right, seeing what's what's true and, and uh, you know, uh, and just making yourself heard. And there's another, sometimes I do get a little discouraged here running the local organization. Sometimes our plans don't go as well as they might. And, uh, oh, sometimes... Uh, you know, there's we could use some more volunteers, but at other times, just the 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 support that I do get from from the local pro life uh, community uh, is is a big encouragement. And uh, you know, one 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 example would be we were confronted with an abortion facility here, and it all began in 1999 when we first found out things were happening, and the response to the community was just just amazing. And because of that, we were, myself included, and, and the other leaders of the organization here, were encouraged to just uh, be, be, become more forceful, be, think big. And uh, we we were uh, we were able to organize demonstrations multiple times each week, but sometimes for hours on end. And the people kept coming and supporting us. And uh, you know, it was just. That was just fantastic. Uh, and, and one other thing is um, when people in leadership show some affirmation and support, I'm thinking of our uh, our Catholic bishop and the, the previous Catholic bishop. Uh, that was very, very helpful. And uh, we have a great pro-life congressman who 
comes up to our breakfast every year and is always always enthusiastic. Uh, Mike Kelly, Congressman Mike Kelly. Um, so anytime somebody in a leadership position like that uh, uh, that gives us an attaboy or actually just shows shows the, the enthusiasm, and it, it helps me a lot. Um, one just one more example. Uh, there's a, a priest here who's retired from the Navy, and he's far from retired from being a priest. But uh, he comes in and even helps us, you know, stuff uh, stuff envelopes and things like that, whatever needs to be done. And, um, you know, we get to sit with him, and he'll, he'll regale us with stories about the Navy and his exploits all around the world. My wife's from the Philippines, and uh, he was able to sit there and speak uh, Filipino uh, with my wife. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I guess, um, you know, the the encouraging things far outweigh the discouragements that we have sometimes. Now, Tim, what effect has the pandemic had on people for life? Well, it uh, it's certainly impacted our finances. Our we depend on a uh, project for Mother's Day, uh, our Mother's Day carnation project, and that uh, you know we depend primarily on on churches to help uh, support collaborate on that. And with all the churches closed. Uh, we went from about oh twenty four thousand carnations down to about twenty five hundred carnations. So um, so income is an issue. We're kind of pressing our our regular donors and our uh, people on our mailing list. We we we're happy to send our materials out to people free of charge, and um, and we're taking this opportunity to. Uh, get in touch with many of them and, and see if they can help out a little bit. Um, another big thing, probably, this is probably the biggest thing, uh, we're very busy during the summer with our educational outreach booths, and we go to about a dozen uh, community events. Most of them are uh, pretty sizable, including three uh, agricultural fairs. And uh, as the summer's gone on, they've just all fallen aside like dominoes. And uh, at this point, it looks like we won't have a single event, which is very disappointing. You know, we've got I've got materials st- uh, stored up to uh, share with people at those events, and we'd like to get out there and remind people how important the pro-life issues are uh, in terms of uh, elections, and uh, and and share what we know about the candidates as well. So, it's not going to happen this year. Now, um, do you happen to know if pregnancy resource centers in your area have been able to operate during the pandemic? Uh, Maria, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't heard of any major problems. I, I would think that they're probably, uh, you know, holding their own. Uh, and that's something else. Our office was uh, closed during the uh, initial phase of the virus shutdown, and um, our oratory contest uh uh, was postponed, and, and we were able to uh, have it uh, coincide just a few days after we went to the yellow phase. Now, tell me more about the student oratory contest, because I know that's a major event. Yeah. Well, this year, because of the coronavirus, we weren't able to uh, work through the schools, through the, those channels, to recruit people. But we did have uh, three great contestants. And maybe not surprisingly, two were homeschoolers, 
and one was a uh, cyber charter school homeschooler. Um, all, all three speeches were fantastic. Uh, if I could say, I think my favorite was probably a ninth grade girl who talked about Governor Wolf and the Down Syndrome Protection Bill, which he vetoed. And she did a really great job of using the, the analogy of uh, wolf's, a wolf in sheep's clothing going after the sheep. Uh, so uh, that was one of them. And uh, another talk was on Planned Parenthood and some of the untruths uh, that get uh, tossed around. And, uh, you know, some of, in, well, we know uh, when women are going to abortion facilities, uh, there's a concerted effort to make sure they don't, they're not exposed to any information that might cause them to think or reconsider. And he talked about how those things happen outside of Planned Parenthood facilities. And, you know, the third one was more of a personal experience talk. And the girl talked about how uh, when her mother was pregnant with her, the doctors recommended an abortion around 12 weeks. And, uh, of course, her mother uh, refused that. And uh, now, now the girl is uh, a high school student. And um, and she uh, talked about her experiences starting a, uh, uh, a pro-life group uh, among her peers. And um, since she's homeschooled, I'm not sure what what uh, what her contacts are, but it's probably uh, mainly through her church. But uh, so it's great to see young kids being involved at such a such a level. What are some of the most effective means that you found for educating young people on the pro-life issue? Okay. You know, uh, we do really well at our pro-life educational outreach booths. And I find that the, the young people are very interested in our uh, uh, fetal development, human development models. Um, and we, we try to pull them in with, you know, just, uh, a friendly smile and a, and a greeting, and uh, offering offering them a little sticker, you know, just just uh, to, just to make it fun. And uh, I think it's important to listen to what they have to say and ask questions. I don't like to just say, "Are you pro-life or pro-choice?" Because it, our this whole thing is more than just labels, and I I hate to. Uh, put any, any young person in a position of taking a stand and digging their feet in. If somebody says they're pro-choice, then they're going to want to defend that. And, and, and uh, rather than maybe talk about things uh, a little more freely. Um, we, rather than do that, we'd like to say, well, uh, do you ever talk about abortion in school? Or do you, understand, do you, know, do you know about abortion? Um, or what do your friends think about abortion? Uh, it just uh, lightens things up a little bit, I think, and is more conducive to a discussion. Now, what are you finding as you question the candidates about the life issues? Um, right now in our area, most of the candidates' positions are very clear up front. Uh, we have one new pro-life candidate who 
was very willing to answer the survey, your, your pro-life uh, federation survey. And uh, so uh, his, he was willing to take a very un- unambiguous stand. And unfortunately, I, I think that the, uh, the pro-abortion candidates are doing that more frequently. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. Uh, they don't want to sit on the fence so much as they used to. Now they wear their pro-abortion uh, agenda on their sleeves and, you know, they get it out on Twitter and Facebook and all that. Uh, so maybe I, I, what I'm saying is a polarization. The pro-life candidates are probably uh, encouraged by the example of President Trump, who's right up front about everything and, uh, you know, is not afraid to say what he thinks about the subject. and not afraid to get out with the, uh, with the pro-life community. Speaking of President Trump, what are some of the major pro-life gains that the Trump administration has made in the past few years? Well, I think the the lasting impact, the most lasting impact, would be the judicial appointments, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Um, You know, uh, two Supreme Court justices who have been performing very well so far, you know, from our point of view, um, these are... Uh, he's appointing conservative, well-vetted conservative justices and judges at all level. And I understand he's he's already appointed 200 uh, federal judges, including the Supreme Court uh, justices, and uh, that will be the most lasting impact. But uh, he's he's done everything humanly possible that he can do uh, with. Uh, in, within the executive branch, with his executive orders, and uh, he's certainly shut off the uh, flow of money for abortions overseas. So the United States is leading from a pro-life uh, perspective again, uh, internationally. And he's done a lot to defund Planned Parenthood, uh, deny federal funding, and he's also given the states more leeway in. Uh, in what they do in terms of funding abortion providers. Uh, so uh, we know, you know, he's also done his best to uh, support pro-life legislation, and he's made clear that he's not going to, he's going to veto anything bad that comes from the other side. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm all about President Trump. <laughs> You're listening to Lifelines, recorded by JMJ Radio. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. We're talking today with Tim Broderick of Erie's People for Life. Tim, why do you think Roe versus Wade should be overturned? Well, Maria, the most obvious reason is because it would save lives. Uh, but, you know, and I think that's what everything everybody thinks of first. But beyond that, it's a, a terrible... Uh, a terrible judicial decision, and I think it's opened the floodgates for more and more judicial activism. You know, if you can find uh, something in our Constitution that says abortion is a is a right in all cases, uh, you can find anything in the Constitution, and uh, we see that happening more and more. So what and what that does is take the power away from the people. And, uh, you know, rather than relying on the the wisdom uh, and intelligence of the American people, uh, 
we find ourselves being ruled more and more by nine people on on one court in Washington D.C. and um, unfortunately, some some of them are not ashamed to just legislate from the bench and impose their own personal ideas, ignoring our laws and our constitution. Do you think that Roe versus Wade will be overturned in your lifetime? It, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. I certainly hope it will. But we don't know what turns history is going to take. Well, I shouldn't blame it on history. We don't know what's going to happen with, with, with the American people. But I, would, I always like to say this. If it's not overturned, things are only going to get worse. And, and again, uh, alluding to what I said about, about Supreme Court or judicial activism, um, you know, if, if we're going to operate a country on the basis that people can just be eliminated for the sake of convenience or for the sake for the good of society, whatever, uh, we, we're not going to, the, the whole concept of human rights is going to fall by the wayside. And, uh, it's going to be might makes right. So, you know, that's, that's the danger we face, I think. January tends to be a busy month for the pro-life movement. What does People for Life have planned for January 2021? Well, we're going ahead with our regular schedule of events, and uh, we certainly hope the virus isn't going to interfere that even into next year. But uh, we'll have our annual Erie March for Life, which uh, this year will be our first January event. Uh, looks like that'll be on uh, the 16th, and uh, and we'll have uh, our annual breakfast, which is our, our really biggest get-together of the year. We will have usually between 600 and 700 people, and uh, that'll be on the 23rd. And then we'll be all set to uh, take our buses down to the March for Life in D.C. We generally have between three and five buses. Very exciting time. Very busy time for sure. This year, because the March for Life will be a little later, it's pushed back because of the inauguration, um, we won't have to get started so close to the, to the holidays. And uh, that'll, that'll be a big help. Tim, what advice would you give to someone just starting out in the pro-life movement? Uh, I like to give advice. Uh, I would say get involved with a group and uh, I guess uh, remember to appreciate the experiences of the people that have uh, been involved over the years. Uh, Not to say that new ideas aren't always welcome, but uh, we find that Sometimes we a lot of things have been tried, and uh, we we actually know what works, what needs to be done, but we just need the the, the people to get involved and help do those things. So, um, do get involved. We 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 need we need people. Uh, we're a volunteer organization here, and um, you know we need volunteers with all different types of talent. So, so please don't. Uh, hesitate to get involved. Um, 
And I guess I'd like to say, remember, a lot of people hear about the pro-life issues at church, first of all. But when you get involved, no matter what the capacity, remember that we need to speak to everyone, uh, whether they understand, for instance, the Christian faith very well or not. And uh, we can do that because the things we're talking about are human things, natural law, uh, you might say. Uh, and uh, we, we need to uh, have confidence that when people are presented with the, the proper information, uh, no matter where they're coming from, they can see why abortion is wrong and why, and not just abortion, but infanticide, euthanasia, assisted suicide, all these things. Um, and, uh, well, you know, and it's important that we understand the arguments and the rhetoric from the other side so we can, uh, we can uh, deal with that as well. Very good advice. Are there any movies or books you recommend to get educated about the pro-life cause? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to mention a few things. Uh, I'm a, as far as movies go, I'm more of a documentary kind of guy. And uh, there are some great human development documentaries, which I'd recommend watching. And we don't need to know all of the biological and scientific facts, but it's good to be sure of what we know uh, when we're challenged by, by people from the other side. And uh, there's one called In the Womb, and it's uh, circulated by National Geographic. And there's a second one, The Biology of Prenatal Development, and that's also a National Geographic. Uh, uh, I don't know, produced, but uh, distributed movie. And for inspiration, I love the movie Amazing Grace. It talks about William Wilberforce. Not in, It's not... Uh, on our issues per se, but it shows how the persistence and dedication of one person changed an empire. And that was, uh, in this case, it had to do with slavery and the slave trade. And because of because of his his uh, persistence and his faith in God, uh, he 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 eliminated slavery in the British Empire. And uh, so, big things. Big things do happen when, when God gets moving. Um, for books, one of my favorites, it's kind of old now, but it's called Rachel Weeping, The Case Against Abortion by James Birchall. And uh, it, it studies uh, three, three cases of the denial of human dignity, let's say. And uh, one is abortion, the other two are slavery, and everything that went on in Germany, in Nazi Germany. And it's very instructive to see the connections. How, how for instance, how language was used to dehumanize people, uh, words and rhetoric. Um, and, uh, you know, we can, uh, and especially in the case of slavery, you can see the uh, the strategies that were used to bring that thing to an end. Uh, so, so that's great. Um, just I'll just rattle off a few more that I like. Uh, Embryo 
by uh, Robert George and Christopher Tollefson um, for in turn for early human development when the baby doesn't look like a baby yet. Uh, there are plenty of sound philosophical scientific reasons to know that that uh, this is a human being, uh, and um, for the, uh, other issues other than other than abortion, you know, uh, like assisted suicide and euthanasia, uh, anything by Wesley Smith is good, and one I like in particular is Culture of Death, the Age of Do No Harm Medicine, and it's a good reminder that. We have great doctors, but the, the medical profession can't be trusted in all cases. The medical the, uh, medical people are like anybody else; they can they can go off the rails as well. So I, I think, uh, oh, uh, the Gospel of Life by by Pope John Paul II, uh, especially if you're Catholic, but not necessarily just if you're Catholic, uh, provides a lot of. A, a lot of sound uh, thinking and a lot of sound theological arguments. So there you go. That's wonderful. And the Gospel of Life is a favorite of mine as well. It was instrumental in bringing me to the pro-life movement. Tim, what was your most memorable pro-life experience at a fair booth? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, um in terms of post-abortion feelings, uh, I, I'll never forget sitting in a booth on a cold, windy evening alone without too many people coming by and seeing a woman off in the distance kind of staring at me. And then she finally approached, and I was a little bit, didn't know what to expect, you know. And she opened up about her abortion experience. And and, and sadly, sadly, uh, she... Uh, went out of town and had an abortion when she was about 20 weeks pregnant. And the reason it, she was so far along is she was she didn't really want to have the abortion. And she not, was pressured by one of her parents and finally relented. And she, her words, it destroyed my life. And this was a woman, oh, uh, you know, maybe in her late 30s or so. And, of course, the abortion came when she was, she was already uh, an adult in her early 20s, but she... she still succumbs to pressure from her parents. And if I could real quick, uh, on the other side of the coin, one of the, one of the most exciting, happy occasions was when uh, a girl approached and started talking to one of the volunteers working in the booth. I was there as well. And she finally said, I, I know you. I remember you. You're the one that talked me out of having an abortion. And that went back to when we were dealing with the abortion facility here in Erie. Uh, the girl was invited in our office, which was across the hallway from the abortion facility, and sat for, and talked for over an hour and missed her appointment. And oh, that's drove... wonderful. Tim, we're going to have to leave it there. That oh, was a wonderful sorry. story. Thank you for yep. joining us for this edition of Lifelines. I'm Rhea Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.